Welcome to Let's Get Lit Podcast. God, you're so bad at this game. <laughs> is that not what it is? Podcast book club with a twist? <laughs> sure, why not? Close enough. Let's Get Lit Book Club, the podcast with a twist. Okay, so it's oh! Let's Get Lit, the book club podcast with a twist. Okay. Do you want to do the intros from now on? I think maybe. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's it's fine. I've been trying. I feel like we're, we've got to be on episode like 10 or 15 or something. How many episodes have we done? I don't know, but somehow you do it differently every single time, but never correctly. I think one time you did it correctly and I was so confused I know. that I didn't even know where to go from there. You know why though? It's because this is just unscripted perfection. That's why. You're right. You just, you don't know how not to improv. I know. I'm trying to count how many episodes we have, and there's actually a lot. We have There's a lot two, of math involved four, in that. 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 19. This is our 20th episode. Oh my god, it's our 20th episode. I feel like we should have led with that if you only hadn't ruined the beginning. Okay, well, starting over. Welcome to Let's Get Lit, the book club podcast with a twist. This is our 20th episode. Yes, and you nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it, I nailed feel like it. we should probably stop here because it's not going to get any better. It might get better, actually, because I have a lot to say about this book. A lot to say about this book, which is what? So this week... <laughs> <laughs> You're like such a good prompter. This week we're doing um, Leanne Moriarty's Nine Perfect Strangers. We read the book and it was... A veritable shit show from the very beginning. It definitely was. I also want to point out, so this book is all about kind of like detoxing and wellness. And we considered very briefly not drinking for this book, but then immediately decided to basically spike our wellness smoothie that we made, which (laughs) seems very spot on if you did read this book. Yeah. So... I just want to tell the people really quickly what we're drinking. It's not really a fancy drink. Basically, we had the smoothie that's like coconut water, pineapple, celery, I think like green apple. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just threw some rum in there and basically made, you know, a really healthy pina colada. It's like a celery pina colada. Yeah, it... I will say, like, there tastes like there's a dash of health in here, but the fact that there's rum is keeping me going. I'm really curious to see if I'm going to have a hangover tomorrow. Probably not, because everything will probably counteract it. Actually... That's a miracle, though. I hope it works that way. But it's sweet, so maybe not. Yeah, I was going to say if we had put, like, banana or spinach or anything high in potassium, perhaps it would have prevented a hangover, but I don't think we did any, like... There's potassium in coconut water. Is there? Yeah, a lot, actually. Actually, that's a good point. Coconut water is a good hangover cure. Yeah. I also feel like that's my definition of wellness. Like, when we were reading this book, I was just thinking, like, of all of the, like, health tips I know, and most of them have to do with making a hangover better, because that's my lifestyle. (laughs) But you, on the other hand, Miss Goop over here, but, like... You have a lot to share. So I just want everyone to know that Brandy has this packet on her table that I just stumbled upon that's <laughs> Goop Wellness, and it's entitled, Why Am I So Effing Tired? And then there's pills in there. It's a vitamin pack. Yeah, you're you're taking pills. You're popping Goop I am, pills. But so I, so I am really tired all the time, and I guess Instagram figured that out, and so... 
I was getting all these advertisements for these specialty pill packs for tired people and I was really tired at the time and I thought maybe this will help me. You're like, this is right up my alley. But I hate swallowing pills. It like, I don't know yeah. why it bothers me so much and I have like very, very limited gag reflex, but pills do it for me. I am so many things that I'm not saying. I mean, you can say you can say whatever you want, but yeah, I, like they're like the big like vitamins. I hate taking them. It's awful. Anyway, and I took them. I've been taking them for like two weeks, and I'm still tired. So what's worse, taking massive pills or being tired? Does it even help? No, it's what I'm saying. It doesn't help. It's no. like miserable, and I don't feel any better. Yeah, well, so, you tried. Fucking Instagram ads, man. There's huge disappointment. Yeah, I think a I feel better like they, solution is to spike your coffee. That's a good idea. With, like, cocaine. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing that's going to keep you so, awake. You've had, like, two sips of your drink and you're yawning already. She's trying to stifle her yawns. Yeah, I am. And it's, by the way, <sighs> not even 5 p.m. That's it's, right. We're drinking before 5. We're luscious. It's 4.40. We're almost there. Um, so it's 4.30, actually. But can, but. I, can, I, can I just, like, say, when I was reading... Is your watch not say 4.40? No, mine says 4.30. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. I took a screenshot of something that I am looking at on my phone, <laughs> and the screenshot says 4.30. So I was like, it's 4.30, you dum-dum. It's not. It's 4.42. Okay. Still not 5. Go ahead, Brandy. What did you want to say? Um, this book I'm made humiliated. me really. You should be. This book really made me want to go on a wellness retreat, and Ugh, it made dude. me want to go on a wellness retreat in the very beginning because I just related so hard to everyone who was headed there, who was like, "Please fix my life with relaxation. Like, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it." I want to be. I want someone to take away my phone, and I want someone to spoon feed me all of the meals every day, and like tell me when to wake up and tell me when to go to bed, and not have to go to work. I want all of those things. And even when it started getting real funky and they were doing some real weird shit and like drugging people, I was still on board. I feel like for people who didn't read this book and are listening because you don't plan to read it. So just kind of briefly, obviously this book is about a bunch of different people who for various reasons decide they either want to break, they want to get healthy, they want to restart their life because they're all hot fucking messes yeah so they head off to this like super swanky wellness retreat that basically promises that it's going to cure all of their problems so they kind of write in in advance what they want to focus on they show up and they're ready to be like their best selves and you know come out brand new people and then there ends up basically being like some controversial techniques to help them on this journey and Essentially, it's just, like, the real world meets wellness retreat where, like, all these people come in with their own stories and secrets and bond with each other, get to know each other, and kind of go through this hell of not fucking eating, etc., and not drinking. And, you know, a lot of other stuff happens, too. But I feel like, overall, that's the summary of, like, shit gets real. And they kind of even say on the book jacket of this book, like, things take a horrible turn, but we can kind of discuss that a little bit more because I never felt like things took a horrible turn it was just kind of like yeah they crossed a lot of lines in terms of like trying to make these people healthier better like they did a lot of illegal shit but nothing was really shocking I really thought someone was like 
spoiler, gonna get murdered. Yeah. And it was... Where's the murder? Yeah, it was, like, a pretty happy ending. Yeah, it was a happy ending, and, like, I mean, I, I don't think people listen to us and expect us not to spoil anything, so, like, the book's gonna be ruined for you by the end of this podcast, yeah. I hope that you're ready. But... So the, like, terrible thing that happened was they were getting microdosed with LSD and having these, like, trippy experiences. And, like, some folks got microdosed with, like, MDMA and, like, made mm-hmm. out a bunch. But, like, everyone <laughs> seems... Everyone seems, like, fine with it, except for, like, a couple people who are like, no, I had a bad trip once. Like, the dad... Napoleon. Maybe we should maybe we should talk about like, Do you, like who all the characters. Character yeah, because I mean it is called it's Nine hard. Perfect Strangers. Yeah, it's hard, it's to, hard like... to talk about them without it. Um, so I'd say let's start with probably Francis. What's her name? McNulty. Welty. Welty. I was gonna say McNulty, which is from something else. Yeah. Whatever. Francis, and she is like a famous romance author. Yeah. Who has just gone through this like horrible scam. Uh, yeah this romance scam online basically she was catfished by some dude who convinced her to send him a bunch of money and it's less even about her love for him but she was like oh i'm gonna be like the mother to this child all this stuff like gets all her Have, hopes like, and dreams up yeah and then turns out it was all fake and she's you know humiliated plus you know she's been this successful romance author and now we're going into the 21st century and all of a sudden she's gotten this horrible review that's like oh my god, this woman is anti-feminist incarnate. And so she's kind of stepping into this wellness retreat being like, hey, I drink too much, I eat too much, I'm miserable, and I'm just kind of like trying to make a better life. But she's a super hopeful character. Yeah, she is. Like, I feel like she's going through a hard time, but... Oh, more importantly, she is, like, going through the worst menopause I've ever heard of in my life, where she is, like, profusely sweaty and hot all the time, which I know sounds basic, but it sounds like she has some elevated form of Mm -hmm. it, where the other women are like, yeah, I've heard it could be this bad, but, like, no one can relate to her because hers is so much worse than everyone else's. She's, like, real into the hot flashes, and, like, in the very beginning of the book, she's having this, like, really bad hot flash or hot flush yeah or whatever and she's in her car and she just starts like honking the horn like a maniac and just like screaming yeah. and then this guy pulls over and he's like are you okay and she's like fuck off dude <laughs> like like let me have my freak out yeah and he's like oh my wife used to have hot flashes and she's like i don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah like not the time dude and yeah. dude turns out to be another one of our nine perfect strangers who was on the way to the same retreat and then backtracked to go get beer, etc. as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was... I keep wanting to say Smiley, but his actual name... Why can't I remember? It's, we just read this. It's not Lars. It's... No, Lars it's not. is the other guy. Lars is one of the other guys. I know. I kept... I like... Tony. To, you're right. It's Tony. It's Tony. Um, so Tony is like a former athlete. They call it like... He's, it's, he was like some sort of rugby player. I think it was like... It's a, some weird like... Australian soccer where they jump around. I don't know. I feel like we should have looked this up, but I I mean, this this is basically how Francis, the romance author talks about it, where she's like, they find out at a certain point in the book, like, Oh, Hey, he's a super famous, um, you know, football as they call it star. Um, who's known as like smiley Adams or something like that. And She's like, oh, is that the one where they, like, jump around, etc.? And I was like, oh, I've never heard of this, but obviously made no effort to look it up. But, yeah, so he is there, and he has, like, divorced his wife. 
His dog has just died. He's gained a lot of weight. And he's just, like, a generally unhappy guy. Can I just say, when I Googled jumping soccer in Australia, (laughs) the first thing that came up was a YouTube video of a kangaroo invading a soccer field. (laughs) That's not wrong. I feel like you need to post that on our website if it's any I haven't watched it yet, but so far it looks really good. It's like a kangaroo just laying on It seems really promising. Also, great research, Brandy. Thank you. I saw a kangaroo in real life when I was in Australia. Actually, a few of them, and they're the weirdest animals ever. It's like someone made a bunny and a deer into an like large animal. It's really bizarre. So it's basically Aussie rules football. So it's not yeah, it's just a different version of football where they like, you know football, like okay, American this, football I love or this soccer is, football. It looks like rugby. Oh, um, that's what I thought. But can we just talk about this fact this one picture it's the first picture that comes up and it's just a guy grabbing another guy's junk and yeah. i'm like okay well and they're both like pretty hot yeah so i'd watch that sport. It. also when i was trying to look up jumping australian soccer my phone tried to autocorrect it to jumping australian spider and i almost oh had a panic God. attack why would it do that because it hates me anyways we've covered two of the characters who's next um do you want to cover the Ben and Jessica duo. Sure. So basically these two are these young hotties who like are childhood sweethearts and then they end up winning the lottery and it, you know, ruins their lives. Basically it's just kind of like... like it ruins Ben's life. Yeah. Jessica does not seem ruined by it. No. So they basically, it's like torn them apart a little bit. Like he is really into cars and used to work as like a mechanic and loved his life more or less, but... Um, they had this like breaking and entering moment where the mom's like, Hey, I bought you a lottery ticket because you guys need good luck, luck because all this shitty stuff's happened to you. They end up winning, and then Jessica, the wife, is like, Cool, now I get to like pursue my life of being a Kardashian and like yeah. just does a ton of plastic surgery and spends so much money on like maintaining her appearance. Ben is like so disgusted by all of the work that she's had done, and she's just like why are you drifting away from me? Why are you not enjoying our Lux lifestyle? I don't like your face. Yeah. I mean, they're doing really well. So they show up less for like the wellness part of things and more for couples counseling. Yeah. Because they're sort of on the brink of falling apart. Yeah. Rich people problems. Rich people problems. Honestly, this whole book, rich people problems, because it was an expensive retreat. Super expensive. I'd say the only group that's not super rich that's there. So they have, um, this guy named Napoleon and his wife and daughter. The daughter and Zoe. Yeah, the wife is Heather and she is like a midwife, which is becomes important because she has medical training. Um, Napoleon's like a teacher, I think. Mm-hmm. And the daughter Zoe is um, just, she's like a 20 year old and they're like, it's kind of weird that she's on this trip with her parents. Yeah. But her twin brother, it turns out died a few years back. So Mm -hmm. they're all kind of coping with that loss and still grieving. And they show up as a way to kind of get away from the grief of the anniversary of, well, not even the anniversary. It's Zoe and the, her brother Zach's birthday, birthday coming up. But did you get the impression? Cause I had a hard time with this also is, is their birthday also when he killed himself? Because it seemed like they were like, was he it? killed himself three years ago today, but like, Oh, maybe it was. But See, it was also their birthday. I don't know. It was weird. So they didn't make rude. it super clear. Yeah. 
but basically it's like for whatever reason on that day they're all very depressed and so they try to get away from it yeah um and so they were like hey let's go on this retreat where basically we can like unplug and somehow get away from it all but they're not super rich they just kind of like haven't spent any money in the Mm -hmm. past like three three years years because they're just busy mourning and being miserable yeah that sounds fun yeah so that's why they're there who's left um, Lars is left. Lars is like a divorce attorney or like family attorney. Yes. And he basically just spends his time like helping women get everything from their ex-husbands. It's and it great. kind of stems from his parents' divorce where his mom was basically left destitute by his dad. And he was like, never again. And so he's been on a rampage basically for the past 40 years of just like ruining the men's lives and these divorces and making sure their women get everything and he's gay he's like with this guy and he's the the guy that he's with kind of like wants a family and wants to have a life together and they've been together for a long time but he like doesn't feel like he's father material or like Mm -hmm. family material and so he's kind of a health retreat junkie and goes to health retreats all the time yeah and he's like asked his partner a couple times if he wanted to go and his partner always said no and then this time his partner was like can I go with you and he was like no you can't come with me yeah he's just kind of a dick but like also kind of a dick but it's just he's so like he doesn't want to dig deep with anything no not at all and that's like these wellness retreats for him it's like his way of being like see I'm you know I'm being introspective and I'm taking care of myself Mm -hmm. mentally physically and emotionally but I can't actually like take anything seriously or go beneath the surface with anyone. So his relationship is, you know, great, but it's one sided and it seems like it could be potentially on the rocks when he comes there. Yeah. And then Carmel, we almost forgot about because she's fucking forgettable. But I have a comparison for Lars's character. Okay. Have you ever seen Parks and Rec? Yeah. Do you know Rob Lowe's character on there? No, I never got that far. Oh, okay. Is he like him? Yeah, he's like him. He's, like, very type A and, like, very upbeat and pleasant and lovely, but he, like, has this fear of his own mortality, so he's, like, freakishly healthy and eats, like, only raw vegan food. And anyway, he's kind of annoying, but he's really delightful. Well, see, I was going to say, I don't think that's Lars because Lars is, like, so I drink, I do drugs, yeah. like I do all this stuff, but he fair. basically is like, then I come do this and like reset. So he's like, it's all about balance. So I can, you know, I don't think it actually works that way, Lars. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I've never tried the reset part. I just like, you know, keep on with all the drugs, <laughs> <laughs> all my goop pills. Oh, all your vitamin, vitamins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Caramel. Caramel. I just really liked Caramel. She's just... She's so pathetic. I was just going to say she's so pathetic, but you also just feel bad for her. It's funny, even um, the person that runs this retreat, which we'll get more into her later, she kind of goes through each um, person that's there and thinks about, like, hey, like, what can I do to help them? What are their problems? And when she, like, stumbles across Carmel, she's just like, oh, my little sweet baby, you're going to be the easiest one because you're just, like, so insecure and it's not like you're gonna do whatever I tell you to do and it's not gonna be that hard to build you up yeah well I think also like she was there basically because she wanted to lose weight because she thought like because she gained weight she was unhappy and she had when she had her LSD trip it was like really weird she was like trying on different bodies Mm -hmm. do you remember that yeah I remember thinking it was really like a 
kind of bizarre LSD trip to have, but, like, basically at the end of it, like, she was like, just kidding, I don't hate myself. Well, and so it's also, her husband left her for, like, a younger woman, so I think that's what prompted her whole body image thing, where she's like, oh, he obviously left me because I'm, you know, I'm fatter than I used to be, and everyone in her life tries to be like, Carmel, you look great, like, there's nothing wrong with you, you're not fat, there's like just eat some cheese and get yeah, over it and exactly. she's like i can't eat cheese that's why i'm alone yeah so it's she like, like obsesses about her weight through the whole thing and they constantly talk about like so you're this is a healthy woman like and yeah. even like the men there are like what a bod on this lady exactly and she, it's just all in her head yeah that's like the part that I thought was the most sad is that she was just like so obsessive over it that mm-hmm. like she couldn't see the other side of it, but she ended up fine. Yeah. Well, it is funny. So Jessica, who I feel like they portray as being like the most insecure, she's gotten mm-hmm. all this plastic surgery and stuff. She actually totally, she's like, I look great mm-hmm. and I like totally take care of myself and I feel great. She and Ben end up splitting up for a ton of reasons. Like all this crazy banana stuff happens. <laughs> But I did think it was interesting in the end. Like, it seems like Ben and Carmel are going to end up together. Mm -hmm. They at least stay in touch at the end of everything. And I'm like, dude, I just thought that part, I mean, a lot of it was a little unbelievable. Yeah. But that part in particular, I'm like, so he was like, oh, my God, Jessica's become so insecure and only cares cares about looks and all this superficial stuff. And then I'm like, you ended up, like, with the most insecure person. Exactly. Where... As it turned out, like, Jessica was never insecure. She was no. just like, I am Wanted living to look like the this life. Now. Exactly. Yeah, like, she's like, I'm living the life I wanted to live, and everyone else is projecting their judgment of me, like, you know, being made of plastic. Like, yeah. I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. Let's go party. <laughs> ah, ah, oh, yeah. yeah. Et cetera. Yeah. Team Jessica. <laughs> I was all about Team Jessica, and I just, I mean, I feel like she got shat on a lot in this book, mm-hmm. but also she had her redeeming moments. I think that because she was just so shamelessly who she was, it was, like, hard to hate her. Well, and, like, they even talk about, like, people just assumed she was a bimbo. Yeah. And Ben's like, she's not, like, she was one of the smartest people, like, she was, like, valedictorian of their class or yeah. something like that. And, like, when they are in these weird moments, they basically put them in tape of like escape room at one point mm-hmm. where they're just starving them post drug bender and they're all trying to figure stuff out and she has like the most logical like hey we should try doing this like yeah. she's clearly not a ditz but can we also just that was just I know we're a little bit all over the place but I was I like <laughs> just laughed out loud for like 10 minutes like during what? one part of this book so when they're trying to get out of this room um, basically they see oh. that there's something in the yeah, rafters. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they see there's something in the rafters of the ceiling and all, uh, like, so the former, like, rugby player, Tony, um, is like, I know what to do. Like, I just have to relive my youth and, like, jump off the backs of these other men to leap up and get it. Even though, you know, the guy's, like, 80 pounds heavier than it used to be. Yeah. Like, he hasn't played sports in so long. He doesn't exercise at all. And all the men are like, totally, I'm going to play football with Smiley. <laughs> and they're all the women are like, so this is actually a terrible idea. Yeah. We definitely do shouldn't this. do it. 
Lars is laying there like, I'm not going to be involved in this. Like, just throw something up and knock it over. Like, why is no one listening to reason? And the men just get all into it. And then they try it. Yeah, so bro-y. They try it. And they're like, it's going to be this amazing moment. And it's not. Like, (laughs) everything just goes horribly wrong. And I don't know why, but just the way that scene was written, I was just dying laughing. And then, like... I think Zoe just goes up and, like, throws a water bottle at it, and it falls down in two seconds, and it was, like, this epic, like, failure of a moment. I think it was just, like, very reflective of the fact that men cannot problem-solve the way that women can, like, at all. And, like, all the strength in the world doesn't help you when it's, like, so this is a simple problem, and you made this some epic, like, Herculean task. I know. And you failed at it, by the way. All men. Yes, all men. Um, but I also think we should talk a little bit about Masha, is it? Yes. Ugh. Masha is the, like, headmistress of this. Headmistress is a great word for her. Yeah, that sounds right, right? Yeah. She, like, runs this um, wellness retreat. And she is a... She's from Russia originally. And she comes to the United States with her husband as, like a young kind of bride and there's like some shit that goes down but they don't talk about it until later in the book and she gets this kind of high-powered job and she basically has a heart attack on the job and in her heart attack she has an out-of-body experience in which she has she like notices that the EMT that's trying to revive her has this weird birthmark on the top of his head and when she comes out of it she tells him that that happened and he was kind of in a weird place in his life anyway and so he's very moved by the whole thing also and has like this weird obsessive relationship with her throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing but she's just like a force to be reckoned with she's a total powerhouse she like walks into a room and just commands attention the yeah way like do- everyone's like oh my god like i can't say no to you yeah exactly like i think that the way that they describe her she's like six feet tall she has like blonde hair and like green eyes and like just kind of like very austere but like beautiful features and she's like built like Mm -hmm. she's like strong and like feminine looking and just looks like she could just like take you out and people are just like she probably would yeah like i'll do whatever you want me to do basically and she's like good because i want you to do whatever i want you to do and so she like started this wellness retreat because she was feeling like she had an out-of-body experience so other people needed to have these like profound transformational experiences also Mm -hmm. and it started off as like a relatively normal thing and then I think just like started transforming into like a really weird place for people to be but her the EMT whose name was Yao is like kind of follows her to this place and is like very zen and everyone there is like very zen and weird and I think that because he was, like, so wrapped up in her aura that he, like, could not see that what she was doing was freaking psycho. Yeah. Like, he was totally brainwashed by her. Yeah. And so they just started... So she was brainwashed by herself, too, I would She argue. was. She was. Well, then, like, so the whole place is run by basically three people. It's, like, her, so Masha, Yao, and then Delilah, who I guess used to be her secretary or, yeah, like, executive assistant. Yeah, like, her assistant. former assistant when she was a high-powered, like, CEO type. Yeah. And Delilah, like, doesn't really buy into any of the bullshit. No, she's not drinking the Kool-Aid. No, she's not just at all. like, I see, like, an opportunity for myself to do something cool. But, like, as soon as the going gets tough, Delilah gets going. Mm-hmm. And 
she's not like falling for any of it Mm-mm. and doesn't like she's not a true believer like Yao and Masha are like she's just there for a good time yeah and when it stops being fun she's like okay I'm outie well I feel like this book also I mean so those are all the characters basically yeah right yeah I feel like this book was it was like a character study like if people put into any kind of situation like this and I mean, I think that Leanne Moriarty, she does a good job with characters in general and making them all kind of, like, fucked up and weird. And so I really like that part of it. I think learning about all the people's backstories and, you know, how they, like, built their relationships with each other when they were there, I really liked. But I also felt like it was a little too um, canned. Mm -hmm. Like, all of the characters seemed, like, very predictable, you know? Like, they were what you expected or, like, not much depth there. I... I don't, there are certain parts where I was just like, oh, I really like this. And other parts where I was like, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought there was going to be more of like a, oh my God, this like climax moment, which didn't really ever occur. No. But I mean, at the end of the day, I enjoyed reading it. I wouldn't I say like it was awesome, but I just feel like her books are just eminently readable. And yeah. it was interesting too, because I feel like I was reading this. At a point where I was feeling, like, super stressed by my job. And so reading it, I was like, yeah, I am, like, all about quitting my job and just, like, committing myself to a life of, like, peace and quiet and just, Uh. like, tranquilum house, take me away. But... I did think it was really funny, like, Masha being this former high-powered CEO that used to be so successful, and then she's like, I need to slow down my life, and, like, I have fixed all of my problems, and now I need to, like, spread this way of living to other people, but she becomes, like, obsessive in the same way that she was, like, kind of in the workforce, where she's like, so some people are successful, but, like, actually, like, you know we could do a lot better and like we're only like reaching this many people so things have just continued to escalate to the point where when this group shows up she's like i'm going to just really go hardcore and like start drugging them a little bit more and also like enforce these silences so they can't talk to each other so it's like this is weird yeah like everything is just so controlled and she has a breakdown at the end of the book where it's just like she can't force these people to be fucking zen and she like freaks out and like eats a bunch of Doritos and like smokes a bunch and is just like you fucking imbeciles I'm gonna go back to corporate America because like I am awesome and you guys are not worthy of me like she just she's a great character she is a great character but totally nutty well, I mean, she, like, goes to jail and then ends up, like, writing a self-help book, basically. They're not even mm-hmm. a... It's kind of a self-help book. It's like a book, help, like, self-help, like, program, yeah. I would say. Yeah, and then she's like, just runs the talk show circuit, and she's like, yeah, so this sh- weird shit happened, but, like, it's all part of my method, and, like, anyway. She's just a fucking weirdo, but I really liked her. Yeah, and, I mean, what was interesting is, obviously, by the end of the book, everyone there is like, so this was nuts, like... We were, like, emotionally and physically abused by this experience, and it was not okay. However, everyone walks out of it better, and, like, she did actually help everyone there with their problems, which is what's interesting. Like, 
Jessica and Ben are just like, cool, we realize, like, we're not in love anymore. We're not yeah. going to be together. But they're both happier on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, Francis and Tony, a.k.a. Smiley, end up kind of forming this yeah. relationship. And they, they like both... They, like, date. Yeah. Like, I think at the end of the book, they get married. Yeah. Um, and they both seem like they're a lot happier. And they aren't drinking as much. And, you know, aren't using food as much as yeah. a crush. And she becomes a murder writer. Yeah, which is awesome. Like, she's, like, inspired by this experience. And she's like, you know what? I've got another trick up my sleeve. I'm not... Murder. Yeah. Don't need to put me out to pasture yet. Um, And the family, like, that has the um, dead son slash brother, like, when they have their LSD trip, they, like, see him and get to have this moment of closure Mm -hmm. where they finally move on. So that, I just wanted to say, like, most of this book, I was just, like... Just kind of like soapy yeah. and fun. That like the dead son was such a bummer and so sad. Yeah. And I I did cry at certain parts in the book when they talk about him and just yeah. like how the family was dealing with it. And I'm like, oh, this is so sad. This it is, is supposed sad. to be like my soapy read, but at least they have closure at the end of it. Yeah, and I I mean I feel like they they the way that she wrote that particular situation was really hard because. I think a lot of times when people write about suicide, they write about it in a way where they're like, and these are the reasons that it happened, or yeah. like, they really need to find out why it happened. And in this case, they were like, they didn't really, I mean, they went into the why it happened, which is basically that, like, the medications that he was taking caused him to have, like, a brief moment of, like, psychosis, essentially. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like a, you know, they usually try to find like a situation or something was going on in their life personally that made them do this. And they were like, no, like he just basically had a breakdown. There's no actual reason for it that'll make anybody feel better. Yeah, it was like there's no, like there's nothing you can point to and there's no one that you can, like everyone in the family felt a little bit of blame because yeah. like if any of them had done something differently, it wouldn't have happened. And part of what was so sad about it was that it was so random, like they even mentioned in the book, that he is such a spontaneous person that just never thinks through his, like, the consequences of his decisions. And so they're like, he's someone that would be like, I am feeling horribly depressed now, so I have to kill myself. Because he wouldn't even think through what that meant. Yeah. And so you're like, well, that's really fucking upsetting. Yeah. But... I don't know. She writes, like, kind of all of those, like, internal conflicts and tragedies in a very believable way. But it just... That was the only part of the book where I was like, this is ruining all the fun that's happening because it's really a bummer. Did you um, read the book or did you listen to it? I read it. So I read most of it, too. And then I listened to little pieces of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really actually did not like the audiobook for this one. I wouldn't recommend it. What's wrong with it? I mean, this sounds really shitty, but, like, the accents were were hard to digest. Like, the... I don't... I think Leon Moriarty might have read it herself. Oh, really? And it was, like... The Australian accents were fine. You know, whatever. It's an Australian accent. But she or whoever read the audiobook did accents for all of the other ethnicities in the book. And they oh, came God. off sounding, like, really racist. That's unacceptable. Like, really bad. She did some impressions of, well, not impressions, sorry, some accents for Masha that sounded horrible. And then the accents like that Russian she was accent. doing, yeah, for Yao's mom were horrifying. It sounded like the guy who played the Asian um, tenant in breakfast at tiffany's okay like it was such a caricature it was really awful so i'm looking up now because 
Okay, that's what I thought. So the woman who narrated it was Caroline Lee. So sorry, Caroline Lee, but throwing shade your way, be less racist. Um, Who's Caroline Lee? I don't know. She's probably some actress that we've never heard of. But she... So Big Little Lies and Husband's Secret, I did both of those as audiobooks. And everyone had told me they were great audiobooks. And I disliked the narrator so much that I was like, I can't ever listen to one of... Because a lot of times authors will use the same like narrator over and over again. Uh-huh. Um, and so I... Is it the same one? Yeah. And so I was just looking and it's the same one for all of them. Yeah. And I just, I just didn't like her voice. Like she was always yeah. someone where I'm like, you're distorting this book for me. Yeah. So I've started reading all of her books cause I don't enjoy the audible narrator, but I don't know about her kind of being using these stereotypical accents, oh, but really badly, <laughs> but I trust you. But I think also, you know, when you try to do accents and it's, you know, we both speak American English, so when we hear people do accents who speak American English, like, those accents don't sound as, like, I don't know. I feel like it, like, it sounds different to you than it does with someone who has an Australian accent who then tries to do other accents of other people who maybe are, like, you know, they're Australian and Chinese or something like that, and Mm -hmm. so maybe it sounds different. But, like, the way that it came off to me was sounding, like, very stereotypical and racist. I didn't like it at all. Like, it was cringeworthy listening to it. I was like, I cannot listen to this. It makes me so uncomfortable. Well, I feel like that's a good tip because there are definitely books where I felt like the audiobook ruined the book for me. And it's funny because, like I said, I've always heard good things about this audible narrator, not into it. There's, like, two other books that come to mind, too. The Outlander series. Uh, I think I've it's, never like... never actually read that one. Davina Porter. I read the first book, and then I tried to do the audiobook for the next couple, and I was like, I'm out. This narrator is, like... It would just automatically put me to sleep every time yeah. she talks. But everyone else is like, no, it's a great audiobook, and I'm in the minority there. The other one being... Did you ever read Stephen King's 11... 2263. No. Also, I might not be giving the right dates. 112263. I don't 22. know what that is. Okay, thank God I'm right. Because it's basically um, a read. It's, I mean, it's hard to get into it because it's such a long book, but it's like historical fiction. And this guy finds like a time portal and goes back in time and is like, oh, I could like stop the Kennedy assassination and basically like traces back, like, I mean, this is a simplification. But all of these things that have happened, like this, like all of this racism and like the Iraq war, like everything traces back to Kennedy being killed. Really? So if I could change Actually, that. that would make sense. Yeah. He's like, if I could change that, the world could be so much better. So he's on this mission to stop it. So he goes back in time to do all of this. But, oh my God, just, so everyone, this is also like one of those audiobooks. If you ever Google like 10 best audiobooks ever, this one will come up. And I just can't deal with it because they have one character at the beginning of the book who you're not totally sure what's wrong with him. He was like the victim of this horrible crime where he has had some kind of brain injury. So they present him basically as he appears to like have, you know, developmental delays and whatever it is. Uh, I don't even know that he's like that. It's like a full on like I'm not even going to impersonate it because it's so offensive, but it's like the most offensive interpretation that you would expect of like someone 
who would be like developmentally disabled. Yeah, and so and the guy talks a lot in the book, and every time, like I remember listening to it while I was on the train, and I was just like, no one can hear but me, and I'm just covering my face, like this is horrible, and like it just ruins the Ugh. book for me because it, this guy talks so much. I'm like, this is unacceptable, but I did find it funny because. Two friends within the last year recommended the book to me and were like, however, if you listen to the audiobook, there's this one part. I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's awful. So, yeah, sometimes it's better to just read a book. Yeah. And because, like, an audiobook narrator, I feel like they can, can make only... make break it. Yeah. Some of them, like, we talked about... Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal, I feel like, made Anna Karenina or Anna Karenina so much better. Trevor Noah, like, narrating Great. his own book made it so much better. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of any others where that was really the case. But I do think they can make a book better, not just make it worse. Yeah. But a really good book can stand on its own. I Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes, like, the I feel like the audiobook, more often than not, can make the, bur- the book worse mm-hmm. rather than better. But I think it's almost like when you watch a movie and you don't get to paint, like, what the characters look like or, like, the yeah. scenery and things like that. It's like someone does it for you. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, especially when there's multiple characters and people try to do different voices or accents for characters... That makes a really difficult listening experience for me because I hate hearing people do other voices for people. Yeah, it's you're like, let me just make this shit up on my own. Yeah. Although I think probably the, well, definitely the best audiobooks I've ever heard are the Harry Potter series. So if you ever, if you ever get around to it, it makes such a difference. Like, it's so good. Should we actually do a Harry Potter book? I feel like we should do that, even though they're really well read already. I feel like we should, if only, to get your ass in the game. I feel like I might like it, and this would be an excuse for me to have to read it. Also, so when I was... Is there a book that I'd have to read? Do I have to read them in order, or could I, like... Yes. Um, Well, I was going to say, it's funny, because when I was in college, I took a class that was, like, children's literature, and that's why I started reading the Harry Potter books, because I had... It was, like, the first four books were as... Because yeah. you'd have individual ones, and then they were, like, basically, we want to talk about the Harry Potter series, but we can't assign the whole series. So they did the first four, because the first three are, like, really short. Okay. And then the fourth one is sizable, but it's, like, it's enough that it made it a reasonable thing. Yeah. Um, and that at least gets you to a point where you can talk about the series more broadly. So I think if we were to do it, I would say, like, do the... Like do like the first three because that wouldn't be a huge ask because each one is like 200 pages oh really yeah and then it's like after that they become like these behemoths but you never want them to end because they're so good but you have to do the audiobook because it's so much better okay fine i'll do the audiobook harry potter maybe yeah i mean whatever i mean actually i feel like we could use some like a little i really like what I liked the most about this book was the kind of escapism I got from it. And I feel like that's probably my favorite thing about reading in general is the kind of escapism. I kind of dislike reading books where I feel like I'm still very much in my own life and reading a book. I mm-hmm. want to be able to feel like I'm in the book somewhere. And I felt like that with Anna Karenina, which I just can't get enough of. I wish I could read that for the first time over again. <laughs> I, I feel like it's one you might even enjoy more reading it the second time. Yeah, probably. It would probably make more sense. if you read it over the course of a year, like... I've started to use Anna Karenina as like a I'm going to sleep and I can't 
fucking fall asleep. Yeah. And so I just turn it on and then it like lulls me to sleep. Mm-hmm. But since I know what's happening, I yeah. don't feel like I have to pay attention, which is nice. Um, but yeah, nice. this book, it is kind of like a mini vacation. So like mm-hmm. if you don't want to actually pay all this money to go on this like wellness retreat, then you can just read this book and let other people starve and detox for you while you drink your spiked smoothie. You know what I couldn't help thinking about in this book though, was that kind of like camp fantasy that seems to be such a theme. Like, you know, like going away, like a a summer camp thing. So you know how when kids like they go to camp over the summer and then they come back and then they're like at camp, we do this and at camp, we do that and at camp, blah, blah, blah. And like they had this like transform. They had this, like, transformative experience at camp and come back and, like, nobody can relate and nobody thinks your stories are quite as funny, but you're like, but camp. Yeah. And, like, I feel like it's the same way that people, same way people respond when they come back from, like, Burning Man and they're like, at Burning Man we did this and at Burning Man we did that. At Burning Man we live in barter society and you're like, great, you're home now. I don't care about your camp. Yeah, but camp. (laughs) And so I feel like, I feel like whenever you kind of do some like extreme derivation from your normal life and you're around people you wouldn't normally interact with and like the circumstances of the society that you're in there are different it generally is a really transformative experience and I don't think that it matters really what you do when you're there because typically they like involve some aspect of nature and like you know getting to know people that you wouldn't normally know and like you don't go in there with any preconceived notions of like who you are how much money you have or anything like that And so you're allowed to kind of, like, be a different kind of person, and people seem to be transformed by that. But I think also, like, these expensive-ass wellness retreats, like, you probably don't need to do all that. You could probably just go, like, camping or something. Well, I was going to say, it also reminds me of just, like, going to a resort. Like, we went to Mexico a year ago, and I'm like, it's the same thing where you're like, it's just really nice to not have to worry about anything, where it's like... I am kind of hot and someone shows up with popsicles and wet towels and is like, will this help? And I'm like, that's exactly what I need. Thank you. Yes. Like to just not have to worry about it. Like all of your needs are taken yes. care of. I'm so, so you just get to it. truly relax. And I feel like that's what this experience was, except like less fun, I guess, because there's not <laughs> alcohol or food, but it is even something where it's like a lot of those things, the food and alcohol, all of that, those are coping strategies to get us through the shit that is our life. Yeah. And when you take away all the stresses of life, you're like, I don't actually need any of that stuff. Yeah. Life is great on its own when you don't have like work and people ruining it for I you know. and expenses and, you know, public transportation. I just kept thinking about Ben and Jessica winning the lottery and was like, I want to win the lottery. I don't care if it ruins my marriage. I just want to have money. And that's (laughs) how Jessica felt and that's why it was so relatable. I know. Because Ben was like, I just liked it when things were simpler and now it's, I just don't like it. I'm like, you don't deserve to be rich. I I deserve it. Because I'd be happy. But I think Ben was like such a trope. He looked at this the way a lot of people do where they're like, money doesn't buy you happiness. But it's like, he wasn't, he wasn't actually happy before. Like, they were living paycheck to paycheck. Life was really hard. They had all of these external stressors. Like, they checked the price of every single thing before they bought it. And, mm-hmm. like, they would go in line and then have to bring things back. Because life is harder when you're poor. Yeah. It's just harder. Like, well, you might, you learn how to be happy with less. But, like, that doesn't mean, like, it's, I mean, it's that same, like, kind of noble savage thing. Where you're like, look how happy they are with nothing. Yeah. Like, 
You're well, not happy. I'll also say, like, they weren't truly meant to be together. Like, uh-uh. they were... The reason their relationship started to fall apart was, like, they were together more out of convenience of, like, hey, we have, like, two paychecks. Like, we yeah. both can, like, survive better together, which, let's be honest, is most relationships. Yeah. But when they had, like, all of their needs met and they were just left with each other and they both had the money to, like do what mattered to them it's like oh we actually have fucking nothing in common yeah but they went their separate ways and were totally happy with all their money yeah so as it turns out money does buy you happiness and it also buys you some like self of fucking awareness where no one else can afford that (laughs) i know well i mean i feel like you spend so much of your life just trying to like rid yourselves of all these inconveniences and like you have to there's just so many things that you have to do in order to not be like destitute yeah that your time is completely filled by all of those things and if you can find someone who's like a companion to you who you don't hate then you just continue to go among your routines and like try not to be destitute together and like maybe try to get a little ahead of the game but at the end of the day, like, everyone would be better off if they didn't have to worry about putting a roof over their head and, like, where their next meal was coming from and had, like, extra money to, like, live. I mean, to some extent, yes, and some no. I also think even just the fact that these wellness retreats exist, they're born out of the fact that, like, people have all these anxieties that are, like carried over from the time when we were like afraid of wild animals and like the need to survive and the fact that like so much is automatically provided for us it's like that stress has nowhere to go but we haven't evolved to like stop having these survival mechanisms interesting well i've never thought about that before you'll think about it a lot if you go to therapy and you're (laughs) like why am i so anxious and always think i'm gonna die when nothing's wrong and they're like because you're just unevolved and your body's like run from the lion and there's no fucking lion so you're like i might not see the lion but i feel the lion in every element of my life and so i'm terrified at all times for no good reason therefore wellness retreat or spiked smoothie or maybe you need to actually be afraid maybe masha had a point and like you just need to scare the fuck out of people and then when you get this fuck scared out of you and then you realize you're still basic self yeah exactly and then you're like oh i live then you can be like i can do this you know but like if you never actually have to accomplish or not accomplish if you never have to overcome something really scary and hard then you probably just are always going to be afraid that you wouldn't be able to overcome something scary and hard that's also 100% correct. God, we are basically like You're free welcome therapy. for the therapy. Yeah. You can donate to us on our... <laughs> um, donate to us because we would really like to be wealthy. Yeah, I would really like... We should do a book club retreat. This book club oh kind of God. feels like a retreat to me anyway. It's like I the know. only time in my life where I can talk about shit that I don't actually like have any obligation I know and I feel like I usually just drink the same drinks but then I'm like ooh I'm gonna try a new cocktail I know so that's good for me it's never good for my stomach I feel like every time I try a new cocktail I'm like god the fuck I know gotta take my pills I mean whatever it's fine also we're reading so much we are reading a lot it's more actually more than I would typically read I feel like I go through phases where I read a lot and then I go through lulls where I'm just like scrolling through Pinterest and Instagram And I think right now, because my work is so stressful and I'm trying to, like, plan this stupid wedding, like, I would be doing nothing but that if I didn't have this book club to, like, give me a reason to actually read a book. So, I feel like we are basically, like, continuing our educations without 
you know, having to try that hard or pay anything because other people are telling us what to read and we're reading it. I know. We should try to get accredited so you can listen to our podcast and get credits. We should be like, this is a class. This you is get, a class. Right now, you probably get negative credits because we might make you stupider by listening to us. But if anything else, that should just motivate you to read so you don't have to listen to us tell you what it's about exactly. so you can actually figure out what happened. Speaking of books that we're going to read, um, what next are we? Week? Yeah, what are we reading next week? Um, we are reading. <laughs> I hate that you put this on me because I don't know how to pronounce the author's name and you know how I feel about these things. Okay, fine. Let me look it up and just make sure that I say it right. Okay. I can tell that I'll say the title and you say the author. Does that seem like a fair deal? Um, yeah, I'm going to really try not to fuck this up. Okay. The title is Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I think. Yeah. We'll look it up and correct ourselves if we're wrong for next week. Um, and do we know who recommended this? I know we just kind of took down a list of them. I don't know if we wrote down people's names. If we didn't, we should do a shout out in the next one. We'll do it in the next one. I wrote this down somewhere, actually. Um, Um, but can I just say why we picked this one? Yes, please. Um, because we were like, oh my God, this is the perfect one for February because it's a romance novel. Um, and we did miss Valentine's Day, but whatever. We're like in a loving mood right now. Yeah. So we're doing that, and then also, obviously, it's Black History Month here in the U.S. Yes, we need a um, and book so we a need, black author. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because it's all about someone kind of immigrating to the U.S. and their experience of race in America. So, you know, it just seems like it really checks every box yeah, theme-wise. I'm excited to read it. I actually, I hear about this all the time. The book comes up constantly, and it's been sitting on my shelf for a long time, but it's kind of big and intimidating, so I haven't done anything with it. Fair enough. Um, but I have no idea what the book is actually about, and so I feel like we just have to pair it with an American drink, so probably beer. So I was going to say something red, white, and blue, or beer. Yeah. So or red beer, maybe. Oh, you know what we should drink it with? What? Abita Amber. Fetch. (laughs) Fetch. (laughs) Fetch. Fetch, yes. Fetch, yes. I love Abita Amber. I love Abita Amber, too. Okay. Okay, Let's do it. Okay, good. Excellent. So then next week we will see you for part one of Americana. Bring your brewskis. Yes, bring your brewskis and a heart full of love and hope. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) All right. On that note, let's get lit. We're already lit.